630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. McDavid centers. One timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time it's Clefbaum. He takes the snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. It's always great to say this. Saying it for the first time this fall, this hockey season. Live from Rogers Place, it is game night as the Edmonton Oilers rookies take on the McEwen-Nate All-Stars. This was a matchup last year I went into thinking, hmm, not so sure about this one. Turned out to be a pretty compelling game for the second week of September. The college kids pulling off a shocking 2-0 victory behind 49 saves from their two goaltenders, Mark Olivier Daig and Nathan Park, and Daig returns Tonight, he represents McEwen. Brendan Jensen will be the goaltender from the Nate side of things. They are expected to split this contest. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 6.06. It's Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 6.30. Ched, of course, the Eskimos are on a bye. They're back at it next weekend when they take on the Ottawa Red Blacks. As for Oilers broadcast, we got this game tonight at 7, tomorrow at 7 from Red Deer, and then next Monday we'll have a preseason game when the Oilers take on the Calgary Flames. So the uh, story tonight, uh, you know, how are the Oilers going to bounce back from that game in Calgary on Sunday? They played pretty well, I thought, through the first 30 minutes and had the better scoring opportunities, but Tyler Parsons was really solid in a net for the Flames rookies. Uh, we'll see Kyler Yamamoto back at it. Tyler Benson, very good for the Oilers on Sunday. Very sharp with the puck, showed some great vision, great poise, really good passer, so I'm curious to see how he plays tonight. Uh, and, of course, we're looking forward to uh, main camp, to the veterans coming in for physicals on Thursday. Then the on-ice sessions will start on Friday. Now, here's the point we're at, everybody. I do not expect Darnell Nurse to be there for the start of training camp, and this is something uh, that goes against my expectations through most of the offseason, but uh, this non-contract situation has dragged on and on and on, and uh, I'm at the point now where it would, it would really surprise me if Nurse were here for uh, for the start of training camp. Um you know, there's, there's not a lot of wiggle room, I think, under the cap for the Oilers to, uh, I mean, clearly Nurse wants more money than what the Oilers are, are, are offering. I, I wouldn't think they're, they're miles apart, but the, the difference enough is, uh, is preventing a contract being signed here. Um, still a month till the start of the regular season when the Oilers will play, well, a little less than a month now, when they will play uh, in Sweden against the New Jersey Devils. So I, I guess i got to be optimistic that Nurse is there by then. Look, the Oilers don't want Darnell Nurse to miss any games, clearly. They don't want him to miss any parts of camp. Uh, Nurse has said, he, he said last week when he talked to the media after an informal skate, he said he won't come to training camp without a contract. I don't think he's going to have one in the next, uh, what are we down to now, about 36 hours. Um, 
but I, I got to think Darnell Nurse doesn't want to miss the start of the season either and potentially, well, I mean, then you start sacrificing some income and uh, then you're trying to get up to speed possibly once the rest of the league has, has already been going. But the reality is uh, no contract now and it doesn't seem like one is imminent, at least in terms of something being signed uh, before they get going with medicals on, on Thursday. And uh, this is one of those situations, everyone, where I, I will uh, gladly say I hope I'm wrong and that there's some breaking nurse news in the very near future, but I'm, I'm very pessimistic when it comes to that. Uh, more on this game coming up uh, later on as we move through a one-hour edition of Inside Sports, then we'll have the play-by-play -play with Jack and Bob at 7, and they're both going to pop on with me tonight. But the story uh, in the NHL today making a lot of headlines, Steve Iserman has stepped down as general manager of the Tampa Bay Lightning after eight seasons on the job, you know, including some uh, deep playoff runs. Really good team this past season. They got up upended by the eventual champion Capitals in the third round. Julian Breezebaugh takes over as the new GM, but for a lot of people, this was a, a bit of a surprise with Iserman stepping down, and I'm pleased to welcome to the show from the Lightning Radio Network, my old buddy Matt Salmon. Matt Welcome back to Inside Sports. How are you doing? Oh, just another uh, slow Tuesday here at the office in Tampa. Reed, how are you? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing well. Uh, yeah, definitely anything but a slow Tuesday. I'm going to go there, Matt. A bolt from the blue, I guess you could call ah. it. <laughs> with, uh, with Steve Eisenberg stepping down as uh, general manager. Pretty, uh, pretty surprising day uh, around the office and in Tampa. Tell us how this shook down. Yeah, well, it definitely shook. Uh, I don't think there was any doubt that Julian Breesbois would be an NHL GM any day now, and, and I, I didn't doubt that he would eventually take over the helm here in Tampa Bay, but uh, it was a shock that Steve Eiserman, uh, I, I like to put it a step aside because, you know, stepping down means you're leaving the organization, walking away, and he, he's in a senior advisor role, but it is uh, surprising. Uh, the timing is a little bit odd, too, uh, you know, just days before training camp starts. But it's his uh, choice. And, uh, you know, Julian gets the keys to a well-maintained car right now. And in Julian's words, it, it's a team that just needs some finish, finishing touches. And hopefully uh, they get uh, finished up on this upcoming season with the Stanley Cup championship. What, what do you say about the timing, Matt? I mean, Thursday is, is, is training camp and teams are getting on, on the ice. Is, is, you know, could have this happened earlier? Is there anything to read into this? Or is this, why did it shake down that he steps down so close to camp? You know, I, I don't think it could have been done too much earlier, according to Iserman in, in the press conference today. Uh, you know, this is a decision that he didn't really come around to until basically after the draft and the prospect camp, so sometime in July. And then, it, you know, it, it took several weeks to sort out, okay, well, who's the replacement? How do we hand off this role and that role and, and do this, that, and the other? And it was just naturally time to where. You know, here we are in early September, and the announcement's made. Uh, I do think it is good timing in the sense that, and, and Julie really made a point of this, it's business as usual. You know, he doesn't need to come in here and just, you know, shake things up left and right to make things work. You know, the, the team's in a pretty good spot to begin with. So everyone is starting on camp, you know, or starting camp on Thursday. Basically, you know who's in charge, and, and you know that the plan's not really going to change that much. And full speed ahead, boys. And like I said, you're in a position to win a Stanley Cup now, so the mission hasn't changed, even though the the job title has for Steve Eisman and Julian Breesbaugh. 
And Iserman's committed to, what is it, is it at least another season in Tampa, or how does that look? Yeah, he's got one year left on his deal, and he is a senior advisor to Julian Breesbaugh, so he'll be a little bit of brain-picking and, you know, uh, torch-passing here, if you will. But, you know, keep in mind, both these guys have been in the organization working in their prior role together for the previous eight years. So, uh, you know, it's good to lean on Steve for something if you need it. But uh, really, this is just a chance for Julian to take the ball and run with it. What happens after this year? It's anybody's guess, and, you know, you follow Twitter, you'll see everybody's guess. But, um, you know, really, it's ultimately up to Steve Eisenman what he wants to do next, but he's with the Lightning for the next season. It's Julian's team to take control of right now, and the team's in a good position to win now and be consistent, you know, consistently show up in the winner's circle over the next few seasons with you know, a lot of the pieces that both Julian and Steve have brought together here in the last eight years. Well, yeah, good-looking roster, uh, obviously very close to making the Cup final last season. Let, let's end there. Besides this today, Matt, what would you say was the most significant change for the Lightning over the summer? Uh, you know, I, I think if there's one change, it's the loss of Chris Kunitz. Uh, I, I was kind of surprised that he wasn't offered a contract, and granted, the Lightning have enough depth in the organization to where there's easily somebody that you can, uh, you know, bring up from Syracuse to fill his slot in the lineup. But uh, you know, Chris Kunitz still had the speed, still had the the gray matter to, uh, you know, make it work. Take another kick at the can for one more year. I thought um, so. It's a little bit of a surprise. I would like to have that veteran leadership voice in there, kind of like what Brendan Morrow did for the team for a few years ago. But I don't think that's a huge detriment. And I think if, if you talk about change, if there's one thing that the Lightning haven't had a lot of, it's, it's change. You've got the same talent up front. You've got a solid defense. Uh, you've got great goaltending. And the expectations are as high as they ever have been before. So why not go with that squad that got you within one win of getting to the Stanley Cup final? All right. Well, they're going to be an interesting team to watch once again and a very exciting team to watch as well. Matt, thanks so much for checking in. Oh, we'll talk a few times throughout the season. I look forward to it. Uh, Likewise, Reed. Take care, and let's uh, get ready to play some hockey. Yeah, we're getting going. We're getting going tonight at Rogers Place. Oilers rookies against the McEwen Nate All-Stars. Uh, so Matt filling us a little bit uh, in there on Steve Eiserman stepping down as GM of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I, I know when that news was breaking this afternoon, a lot of a lot of fans were like, oh, where is he going? Is he going to come to my team? Well, he's, he's staying with the Lightning for, for this season, at least as a senior advisor. Eight years with the Lightning. Now, now the first year he jumped in there, uh, they were really good. 103 points, lost to Boston in the conference finals. They missed the playoffs in 12 and 13, swept by the Canadians uh, after a 101-point season in 13-14. That was a pretty big upset in favor of the Habs. Then they got really good, 108 points in 15, lost to Chicago in the Cup Final, 97 points in 16, Conference Final, seven-game loss to the Penguins. And then they had a pretty good point total in 16-17, 42 wins, 94 points, plus seven goal differential, but not good enough that year to make the playoffs. One of the best... uh, uh, non-playoff point totals in NHL history. 96 is the record. That's happened a couple of times. And then last year, 54 wins, 113 points, but uh, Washington figured it out, especially in Game 6 and 7, shut out the Lightning two games in a row, and uh, that was it for the Lightning last season. So Iserman steps down as GM in Tampa Bay. Julian Brisebois takes over that job. 
Bob and Jack are going to join me coming up on Inside Sports tonight, which goes until 7. Then we have live play-by-play of the Oilers' rookies against the McEwen Nate All-Stars. Going to have a very special guest in the next segment here, Chuba Hubbard, Sherbert Park, Bev Facey, now playing running back in the NCAA for Oklahoma State. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chen. You'll know a little more about the Oilers' rookies' lineup when they hit the ice for warm-up in about uh, 20 minutes or so from now. But for goaltenders, Dylan Wells is expected to play the first two periods. Olivier Rodrigue, drafted by the Oilers in Dallas in the summer, is expected to play the third. So Stuart Skinner gets the night off. He was in the first two periods on Sunday, and Calgary allowed four goals as the Oilers' rookies were beaten 7-3. Hey, thanks for tuning in tonight. It is 6-20, live play-by-play of the game coming up at 7 o'clock with Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer. Really special guest on the show now. We're going to go down to Stillwater, Oklahoma. Sherwood Park native, now a running back for the Oklahoma State Cowboys. It is Chuba Hubbard. Chuba, welcome to Inside Sports. How are you doing? I'm doing great, thanks. You? I'm doing very well. It's it's great to have you on the show again. Uh, we talked when you committed to go to Oklahoma State, and uh, now you're, you're you're off and running. And we'll, and we'll get into that. How how was practice today? How are things going? Uh, practice was good. Getting ready for Boise State. Yeah, it was a great practice. Not too hot, so got lucky. Well, I, I, I read an interview with you, uh, an article about you done recently, and uh, and they mentioned the heat and your transition from growing up in Sherwood Park and in northern Alberta to uh, now playing in Oklahoma. How, how hot does it get, and what have you had to do to deal with it? I mean, it gets real hot. Uh, I mean, they do Fahrenheit here, obviously. So, like, Celsius-wise, it's like 40 degrees, even 35 minimum. But lately, it's been pretty cold, so I've been been lucky but yeah the, the heat's definitely a big factor I always got to stay hydrated so yeah all right. Well, uh, you're doing pretty well uh, through two games. Uh, you know, pretty good. You were named the Big 12 Newcomer of the Week uh, in the first game against Missouri State. You had uh, 42 rush yards, 65 receiving yards, and 42 return yards. You got a touchdown, and then against South Alabama in uh, Week 2 on Saturday, another pretty good game, and, and you scored another touchdown. How, how do you feel you've been playing? Uh, I haven't been playing too bad. Uh, there's always room for improvement. Feel like I'm just kind of getting used to playing back in the game and stuff and getting back into it. So I know I can do a lot better than I've been doing. So just got to build from up from here. Yeah, I mean, you're known for your speed. And I, after your first game, I, I, I tweeted out the video of, of your touchdown and, and you really broke away and showed a good burst on that. You know, if, you, if your speed is, is your strength, what would you say there are other things that you're specifically working on now? I mean, there's a lot of things I'm working on, just trying to be a all-around back, my pass blocking, route running, catching the ball, uh, all, sorts, uh, all sorts of things like that. So I feel like uh, I can be an all, all-around back here in a few years so I can do everything at a, a great level. How deep are you guys at, at that position? Is I mean, is it kind of a rotation right now, or, or are you the guy, or how is it looking, Chuba? Yeah, we have a bunch of talented running backs. Uh, we're all really, really talented, and we all have unique uh, unique aspects to each other. And, yeah, we're just a great group. And, yeah, we have a rotation going, but, yeah, yeah we're great, great group. 
Juba Hubbard joining us on Inside Sports, running back for Oklahoma State. Of course, uh, grew up in Sherwood Park. He was a star with Bev Facey in high school. And last year, you, yeah, you were a redshirt freshman with Oklahoma State. So tell, tell us, uh, you know, how that works, how you stay in shape when you're not playing games, uh, you know, how it works with you still being uh, around the team but, but not getting into games. What, what was that experience like? I mean, for me, I was a travel redshirt, so I travel with the team every single game. So I kind of got a game experience of just seeing what it's going to be like and just being around everyone uh, and getting uh, like around it and stuff. So it was good. I mean, you have a redshirt lift, so that keeps you in shape and gets you bigger because I was pretty skinny when I first came. So I had to put on some weight and uh, get stronger. So Coach Glass the strength coach he got me right and kept me in great shape and put me in a good position for this year okay well and i mentioned your stats you're off to a, you're off to a pretty good start what's it like being a, an ncaa football player in oklahoma state i mean football's so big in the states college football is huge uh, has that been a bit of an eye opener for you yeah it's a it's an awesome feeling and i'm really fortunate to be at this school um, it's really fun, and yeah, football is crazy here. They love their football, and uh, yeah, I'm just really fortunate to be here. And yeah, the experience is amazing, and I'm, like I said, fortunate to be here. Do you get recognized, or when, or when people find out you play football, do they want to talk to you? Yeah, they usually know football players. They can usually tell, but yeah, they, everyone loves football players too. Okay, I got to ask you this, Juba. When they when they find out you're Canadian, or if they already know you're Canadian, uh, what what do they ask you about Canada, or what do they <laughs> or what do they say about Canada? <laughs> the first question usually is, "How did you get all the way down here to play football?" And uh, <laughs> I'm usually just like, "I don't know. They found me somehow." But yeah, I mean, they just ask what the difference is, uh, culture shock and stuff like that. But like I like I tell them, it's not too bad. It's not that big of a difference. And, yeah. Right on. Uh, any any family or friends been able to watch you play your first two games? That come down and watch yeah, you in person. Uh, yeah, I had my mom and my my dad come down for the first game, as well as one of my coaches from high school. So that was really nice for them to come down and get the experience and stuff. When, when you think back to being a high school player just a couple of years ago, uh, I mean, is there anybody from your high school career or even younger that you think, man, he or she really helped me, you know, along the way? And I know you're still building, but just when you look back on some of those uh, younger years, anybody you want to give a shout out to? I mean, I personally can't just pinpoint one person to give a shout out to because there's so many people that, you know, helped me get to where I am today. So, you know, from high school coaches, teammates, uh, teachers, uh, my parents, you know, just family members and friends. Just a lot of people helped me get to where I am today. All right. And uh, Boise State is coming up on Saturday. And then, what, your first conference game is the next Saturday against Texas Tech? Uh, yes, sir. Okay. Well, Chuba, it was great to reconnect with you. I know we, we talked uh, back when you committed to Oklahoma State when you were in high school, so it sounds like you're really enjoying it down there and a, and a great start to your playing career. Please keep in touch, Chuba, and I wish you all the best. Yes, thank you for having me. All right, have a good day. Thank you very much. Great story. Chuba Hubbard off to a rolling start with the Oklahoma State Cowboys redshirt freshman last year. 
doing a little bit of everything so far this year for the Cowboys. Rushing, receiving, returning. They've won 58-7 and 55-13 so far. Get the cupcakes, uh, cupcakes out of the way early. Earlier at Boise State coming up on Saturday. Here at Rogers Place, Oilers rookies, McHugh and Nate All-Stars. Jack and Bob will help set the table next half hour. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. They're on the ice for the warm-up at Rogers Place. The Oilers rookies in white, the McHugh and Nate All-Stars in blue and in burgundy. Players wearing their own jerseys for this game as they did last season, which saw the uh, college team pull off a bit of a stunner, 2-0, even though they were outshot 49-19. My name is Reed Wilkins, an abbreviated edition of Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched will have play-by-play at 7. Jack Michaels will call the game, and this gentleman will provide the analysis. It is my old buddy, Bob Stoffer. Hey, Bob, good to be back at the booth with you, man. So am I an old buddy because I'm older than you or just because no, I've known the, you a long it's time? It's the length of our relationship. Dating back which to Which I believe has hit 20 years now. It's 20 years. Though we it was we didn't see each other much for a stretch there. Well, that's because you were in Lloydminster. Who, yeah. By the way, Jack Michael set up an event with the Lloydminster Junior Bobcats a week ago Thursday with myself and Gene Principe and Jack. And people, I just want to know for, if there's anybody driving in from Lloyd tonight to watch this game tonight between the Oida Rookies and Nate McEwen, just how tremendous everybody was out in that community for that event. It, it, was, it, awesome. it, was, a great, it was a great place to live. And, and just as a bit of an aside uh, to everybody, if you want to blame anybody, uh, Bob Stoffer was the first person to pay me for doing anything broadcasting related. Uh, I believe you slipped me a 20 once when I was doing intermission reports during a memorable 98-99 Golden Bears hockey season. Yes. That was the worst $20 I've ever invested in my life. <laughs> there it is. I, I knew that was coming. I knew that was coming. Yeah. Hey, uh, so we got the game tonight. We're going to be in Red Deer tomorrow, so that'll be a, another fun one. Are you coming down for that one? Yes. Good. Yeah. They're like, going to, like, Cam, Cam, Cam Moon's going to be it. That's the only reason I'm going. Brent really. Sutter and Cam Moon are going to let you in on that town, eh? Well, I, I, I went through Cam. I think he might have more pull than, well, no, he doesn't. Then who? Then Brett? Then, then Brett. No, no, he doesn't. no, he doesn't. No, he doesn't. But Cam, Cam said it's okay if I if I come in, so I'm, I'm hoping it's okay with well, Brent. Too. We'll have fun there. I love that. Uh, I'll tell you, Red Deer is a trim. We got a lot That'll of great. Be good. We're gonna get of, Cam on the show. We're gonna get Cam. We on have a lot sports. of great communities throughout uh, northern and central Alberta, and it's evidence in these lineups tonight. I mean, uh, obviously the uh, Nate McEwen team uh, heavily influenced uh, northern Alberta team, and the Oda rookies. Lots of storylines there. So we'll have the game tomorrow in Red Deer, and then Thursday we roll into uh, into main camp. And I was saying off the start of the show, Bob, and I know it was a discussion on, on Oilers now that you have noon to two every day. I don't think big number 25's uh, going to be getting his uh, medical and physical testing done on Thursday, and I'm not so sure he's going to be out on the ice when they when they hit it on Friday morning. Yeah, and I, you know, if you told me that. A month ago, I would have said, no, I think it will get done uh, by then. I'll, I'll, so I'm going to change. I'm going to move the goalposts and say I expect it done at some time during uh, preseason uh, because I don't think Darnell's going to want – Darnell is a, a critical part of the leadership core at Edmonton. Some people go, well, look at Truba. I don't think Jacob Truba is part of the leadership core long-term with the Winnipeg Jets. I think that Darnell Nurse is there with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. Those are all bigger-body guys, 2013, 2014, 2015 NHL drafts. Uh, Darnell provides a different dimension. Uh, if I'm Peter Shirelli, there's absolutely uh, no way I give him a long-term deal right now. I would totally bridge him. And uh, unfortunately for Darnell and Anton Thun, his agent, he, he doesn't really have a, a great bargaining position because he doesn't have Arbright's at this stage. 
Uh, I think the Oilers would be prepared to go one or two years. Uh, I would probably go two. And, I, you know, my guess is Anton Thun was shooting for the stars, hoping to land on the moon. And he might not get quite in that orbit. So, uh, again, I by the time we're ready, September 29th, the Oilers have their last preseason game in North America here. Yep. And then fly that night into uh, – uh, Germany and I'd be really disappointed if Darnell wasn't on well, the plane. By, on the plane, on the plane by that point, well, he needs to be can, there. And if, if for where, I mean, okay, I understand it as as a player and as an agent, and it's the agent's job, and and it's a union's job as a whole to push to, and to push get and the salaries up as, yeah. as high as they can, given the salary cap restrictions, to to try and get as much money for players while they're playing, because there's mm-hmm. always that what if, how long is the career going to last? But I also, you know, I, the Oilers need them. But doesn't Darnell Nurse need yes. to play? I mean, the last thing I would think the last thing a player wants to do is jump in midstream. Now, if you can't play Monday or Tuesday against Car- or, uh, Calgary and Vancouver, okay, maybe not the end of the world. But does he want to start missing games where everybody else is getting up to speed? And do you want to risk carrying that over into the regular season where, you know, Coach McCullen always says every, you know, a lot of coaches say every 10-game segment, yeah. it ramps up, it ramps up. Do you want do you want yeah. to put risk jumping into game just, 12 and be that far behind? I, you know, there might be a philosophical divide at this stage. I, I'm not actually privy to know how much money we're talking about in a, you know, are we t- are we talking half a million between the two uh, each year in the AAV? I hope not. Uh, but I think that uh, Darnell Nurse is also going to play a big factor in this because he ultimately decides what the agent does. The agent can sit there and try to leverage things as much as possible, and the injury to Andre Sekhar maybe change the landscape a bit. But uh, again, by the time we fly off to Germany, if I'm still included and allowed to be on that plane, uh, my expectation is that Darnell Nurse will be sitting uh, well, very hope- close to Leon Draisaitl and Connor McDavid in terms of the context. Well, I hope plane. it's long before that. He's he's back yeah. and playing. Yeah. But uh, but I mean, hey, it keeps dragging on longer than we thought. So, so hopefully that, that that doesn't keep happening. But but again, the theme is too. How, there's not a lot of room under the ca- under the cap. And okay, let's say, so if Aberg could get buried, right? So that would free up a little bit. So you're 12 forwards if you don't have Yamamoto here. If you bury Aberg, okay. So, so you're going to need a 13 can, forward. I, sorry, I'm still working in. Are you giving up Shaw a spot already? No. And you're not giving um, Jason a spot. Jason, uh, no. So. Assuming, I, assuming one of those guys makes the team, there's a little like, bit more the, money, right? And by the way, we should mention that Yamamoto was not playing tonight for the Oda rookies, but I, I'm working under the auspices that uh, Aberg would be here. He'd be the 13th forward, and that would be McDavid with, I didn't think we'd be doing this, but McDavid with Nugent Hopkins and Ty Ratty, and then we'd be looking at Milan Lucic along with uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Tobias Reeder. Yeah. And then we'd be looking at uh, Juju Arke with Ryan Strom and Yesopoliarvi, and then uh, Kajula with... Brodziak and Cassian, and then that brings us to Aberg. There's 13 forwards at that stage. Right. So they don't. No, the yeah. bottom line is they don't have a lot of cap space. That's the point. That's, you're what, trying. I, that's what I was yeah. getting at. Oilers rookies on the ice. Okay, so you mentioned uh, no Yamamoto and uh, no Ethan Bear expected tonight as as well. Can I blast through is this that, for you? If you got him, we might as well go through, and then we can focus on a couple guys. All right, so McLeod, Ryan McLeod, who had a strong performance in Calgary the other night with Tyler Benson, who had a couple of uh, primary assists, and uh, Tyler Vessel had multiple opportunities. Hobie Baker finalist last year. Cooper Marodi was a very good, smart player. Needs to work on his quickness. Uh, he'll have David Gust on his left side, who spent the majority of last season in the AHL, 52 games, 13 goals. Cameron Habig, who missed all of 16-17 with concussion-slash-neck issues. Uh, Colin Larkin out of uh, UMass Boston Division Three got into 16 games in Bakersfield last season with uh, Vesey, uh, Jimmy Vesey, 
Uh, no, Nolan Bessie. Yes, let's get the right Bessie there. And uh, uh, Maximov on the right side. Maximov was a little quiet. Yep. He had a 34-goal, 80-point uh, season last year for Niagara in the OHL. Uh, Luke uh, Esposito, who is Aldo Esposito's uh, son, and Aldo Esposito is Mark Messier's brother-in-law, uh, with Evan Poli. Tough forward out of the Red Deer Rebels and Van Stralen out of Carleton University on the right side. Uh, Van Stralen had 15 points in 16 games last year. On defense, Caleb Jones, minus 25 last year in Bakersfield. Unbelievable shape. 55 and 62 point seasons with Portland. He'll be paired with Evan Bouchard, who for me was the primary story in Calgary. Was head and shoulders above everybody else. Uh, Kulovic, who spent parts of uh, two seasons in Manitoba Moose in the AHL, along with William Lagason on the right side. Um, and then it's Crave uh, Moran out of the Quebec League. Spent last season playing in the ECHL with Logan Day, who's a right-shot player of Division Three Endicott College in the States. Had two goals last year, final 10 games at Bakersfield. On you to keep an eye on number 90 tonight. Very smart, poised player, can move the puck. Uh, the goaltenders will be uh, Dylan Wells and Olivier Rodriguez. I thought, I thought you, know, you were in the rink, so you had a better view than I did on, online. I thought Day maybe a little... Tough start last game. Ferris Sabre got better as the game went on. Well, he played with Wilson. I thought they were okay. I thought okay. he got a lot better as the game wore on. The guy that had the tough game was Sam Rukoff. He sure. was running around like with a chicken with his head cut off during the course of that game. Bouchard was very good. We saw the point shot. Doesn't have to take a big wind-up. It's the can, pl- can get it off quick and, and still He's got the release hard. like Dan Marino, man. And it's accurate. It's, it's on his stick and it's off his very stick. Very exciting to see that. But I, I mean, think up front, We got before we get to the other team, I think we got to talk a little bit about Benson. Because Bouchard, okay, head and shoulders. I don't know if he was head and shoulders about Benson in that game. I thought Benson, well, Benson was had very a, good. Uh, Tyler had a strong offensive game. He threw the puck away a couple times defensively. I know that I uh, you know, had a few conversations with some guys. And for me, and, and Speck referenced this uh, in a piece that he wrote, um, you know, I look at uh, Versteeg's a right shot, five foot ten guy, carved out a 600-game NHL career for himself. And he kind of is a, a bit of a playmaking winger that can chip in offensively and be a middle six forward. And I, I kind of see a bit of his game. And the other guy is Tanner Pearson, who's the exact same size as Tyler Benson and a left shot. And difference is Tanner Pearson didn't really emerge until his uh, 19-year-old year in the OHL. So, uh, And Benson just finished up his 19-year-old year in the OHL. And, you know, finally he's healthy. So uh, this is going to be a big night for him. This team they're playing tonight, Reed. Um, like last year, the shots were 49-19 for the Oida rookies. The Oida rookies had won all three games of the rookie tournament in Penticton, were coming in a little bit fat and sassy, and passed the puck around a lot in the first half of the game, mm-hmm. and then fell behind. Thomas Foster got a goal. He was on the Oida's rookie team the year before, and I sensed that there started to be some more urgency. You know, the Oida rookies, I mentioned, they go 3-0 last year, but lose 2-0 to this team, even though they dramatically outshoot them. They get blown out 7-3 because uh, Skinner and Wells had tough games because yep. the Oda rookies played pretty well. Sometimes these things have a way of evening up, and this is not as talented a team on paper as Nate McEwen had last year. Uh, they do have good goalies. Brendan Jensen's been in and out of that Nate program over the years. He's actually from El Granado, California. Played a year as Vancouver's number one goalie in the WHL. Mark Olivier Dague was a third-string goalie with the U of A for a couple seasons. He's been he's the major reason why Grant McEwen's won two straight ACAC yeah, championships. And he played the first half of last yes, year. Yes, he game. did. It was very good. Two good defensemen out of the Western League, uh, Colton Waltz and Tyler Morrison. Uh, Colton Waltz in particular, uh, four years. Uh, Morrison played his uh, 20-year-old year in uh, Junior A. Uh, the, those guys are, are pretty good defensemen. Uh, up front, a fair amount of WHL experience. Thomas Foster back for another year, 46 and 48 point seasons in the Western Hockey League. Brandon Ralph played with the Edmonton Oil Kings, so too did Tyler Robertson. Um, 
And then a couple guys with some interesting storylines. Nolan Yaremchuk and his uh, younger brother Austin Yaremchuk are on this team. Uh, they both uh, are playing at Grant McEwen. Nolan's father, many would remember the Yaremchuk name. Uh, Ken Yaremchuk, the seventh overall pick, 1982 NHL draft. He played 235 games, had 92 points. Neither kid has the dy- dynamic offensive instincts of uh, Ken Yaremchuk, who put up 157 and 160 point seasons in Major Junior. And then a guy I played against growing up. Uh, it was uh, Steve Godas, and he was a new Sarepta slash Camrose guy that played in the National Hockey League. I actually ended up getting into uh, harness racing for a while. He was a driver, and uh, his son Cam Godas is on this team, and he's uh, uh, spent a lot of time with the Camrose Kodiaks over the years. So uh, more of an AJHL influence. Basically, yep. 12 of the 18 skaters are junior A guys, 6 of the... Uh, 18 skaters are major junior guys. Goaltending is going to be key, and they got good goaltending. So that'll be a look at the two teams tonight. All right, faceoff is coming up just after 7. We'll take a quick timeout, a little bit more on this game, and probably about one of the most exciting ties in Cleveland Browns history with Jack Michaels when we get back. Subscribe to the Inside Sports Podcast. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your podcasts. This is 6.30 Chad Inside Sports. But up the right-hand side, Thomas Foster with Jones back. He'll take it to the net. Wrist shot, score! And Nate McEwen has taken a 1-0 lead. Thomas Foster. And Nate McEwen will break out, maybe a 2-on-1. McKidiak centers, waiting. Wrist shot, score! Off the rush, and Nate McEwen takes a 2-0 lead. With 2.31 to play... A big insurance goal scored by Jarrett Hoffman. Yamamoto centers, it's still loose, bouncing puck, the horn goes, and Nate McEwen has hung on for a 2-0 shutout victory. 49 saves combined for Mark Olivier Daigle and Nathan Park. Um, you know, I thought we played a good game. Um, you know, I think their goalies, um, they were unbelievable. They stood on their heads, and um, you know, I think I was... One thing we couldn't get around, um, but you know, this year I think the guys are really excited and um, we're looking to get some uh, little bit of revenge this year. Coming off a game uh, in Calgary, I mean, 1 1 halfway through the game and they wind up winning 7 3. And I thought you guys had a lot of chances too, especially, uh, well, I mean, you had a great one right before they went up 2 1. It seems like the, the chances were there in the first 30 minutes. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I thought, I thought we played a good game. Um, you know, we could definitely bet on a lot more chances, but, um, you know, we only got to practice with each other two more times. Shouldn't say. Shouldn't probably lose 7-3 um, still, but, you know, I think for our first game, um, you know, as a group, I think um, it was a solid game. A little bit there from Kyler Yamamoto reflecting on last year's Oilers rookies game against the McEwen Nate All-Stars here at Rogers Place. A 2-0 stunner for the college kids. The play-by-play by Jack Michaels, who joins me now. Jack, here we go. I was there last year. Yeah, that was you. Oh, okay. That was your voice. Uh, that uh, The thing that impressed me the most about last year's game was how that Nate McEwen was all over the ice. He I mean, he every dominated. Play. He dominated that game. <laughs> you know, you never think. I, I, what I should do, what you need to do, Reed, is just put an automatic scroll in every 30 or 40 seconds. <laughs> Nate McEwen refers to the... Nate slash Grant McEwen all-star team that's playing tonight. Well, on the board, see, on the scoreboard, they have them as McEwen-Nate. On our roster sheet, they have them as Nate McEwen. I like Nate McEwen because, again... McEwen-Nate's alphabetical, though, isn't it? Yeah. Well, barely. Well, it still is. Barely. (laughs) It is barely. 
one letter. Well, I mean, New Mexico is an alphabetical, but it's still a state in the United well, States. That's true. You could so. call them NMAC. That's kind of no. I'm not doing NMAC. Nice college. Lingo I'm not doing for the college kids. No. You know what? This is a great opportunity for these guys, and there's 11 of them back from last year's game to have a chance to play in the NHL arena against guys that are going to compete in the National Hockey League. And these are guys that are, are going to get one or two chances like that in their lifetime. And that's what made last year's game so compelling is the sense of desperation that really set in late in the game as they tried to hang on. And, of course, they received superb goaltending. Uh, Dague started last year's game. I think he's starting again tonight. Brendan Jensen will be backing up the only American on this uh, all-star team with Nate McEwen. And the interesting thing for me, Reed, is it's almost like in the fall of 1991, Edmonton and Calgary putting together an all-star team and playing someone else because these two teams, the last two years have been going at it head-to-head like you would not believe. Both years, Nate has finished first in the regular season standings. Both years, they've met one another in the ACAC finals. Both years, the best of three series has gone to the third and deciding game. And both years, Grant McEwen has gone into Nate and won in their building to win the league and championship. And two years ago was in overtime, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, but I mean, this has been real heated action. And now these guys are, are playing on the same. Uh, team tonight and again you know we saw last year that despite the shot totals which are heavily in favor of the Oilers rookies that you know when you get goaltending you can compete with anyone and I'm expecting a similar type of affair tonight I, I think that again the single-mindedness of this game for the people on Nate and McEwen the teams that aren't going to get this shot too often in their lifetime that will add some energy to this game that I think a lot of people, including yours truly, didn't realize would be brought to the table yeah, before it, it last got, year. It, it it definitely pulled me in last yes. year. It's kind of like, ah, oh, you know, I missed the game against the Golden Bears right. being in Claire Drake Arena. But you definitely got pulled into that one. And I think I, I referenced this with Colton Waltz, who I had on my show last night. He played last year, playing again this right. year. I, I said, I kind of felt like you, you won the crowd over. You know, maybe all the people who came for it was like y- Rocky Yamamoto, and Rocky Four. Yeah, they were kind of like once it got to the third, right. one nothing. The shoes. I think a lot of people who didn't know much about the, the McEwen Nate team or or just wanted anybody in an Oilers jersey it's to Nate win. McEwen. They started on this thanks, show. Buddy. It's Nate thanks, McEwen. They, I think they started feeling like, <laughs> yeah, you know what? I, I wouldn't mind if they got the shutout. Right. Let, so that so that was pretty fun. Uh, games coming up in nine minutes. Got a couple more minutes here with uh, Jack. Look, you had an exciting weekend. Uh, you got to attend the Eskimos' 48-42 win over the Calgary Stampeders. Correct. One for the memory banks for sure. And then I know Best you Best game I've seen in person. And you go to two or three a year. Right. You have time. Obviously but it not, is. Yeah. It's honestly the best game I've seen in person. And I would suggest for you, it's one of the more entertaining games oh, it's you've one seen of the more in the last 10 years. Games. Yeah. Well, I, I, I've had season tickets since 1997. That, right. one, that one's up there. It's one I'll remember for right. sure. That's, yeah, what, that's what I'm saying. I mean, even for the diehards, and I include you in that category, that was a heck of a ball game. Then, of course, I saw the Oiler Flame rookie game at the Saddledome on Sunday. But, but and then while race that back, was happening... 
You, oh. you didn't get to see a lot of this game. I, I knew you were going to rope me Your into favorite this. NFL team. It's their best start since 2004, I thought Troy, I why do I tolerate this? Year we're after year. We're talking sports on a sports show, baby. I know. I know. They tied the Pittsburgh Steelers. That's And it's a disgrace, too. Because <laughs> you, you, oh, you saw the NFL came out with an apology today for that ridiculous call on Miles Garrett for landing on top of Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, football is... You know, we don't know what a tackle is. We don't know what a the catch, catch is. is. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. Uh, and then, you know, both teams blowing field goals in overtime. And and really, I mean, Zane Gonzalez, who, who'd really heard of him before their fantasy drafts this year. But, I mean, Chris Boswell's usually money for Pittsburgh, yeah. and, and he pulled one wide. So that was a game where I think both teams probably got what they deserved. I mean, if you're Cleveland playing at home, get six turnovers and are facing a Pittsburgh club without Levy and Bell, you got to find a way to win that game and they didn't do it well and, really and only the browns could break a losing streak with a tie with a tie yes so what's the coach's record now 131 and one that's correct that would be his record that's correct and he is i mean he has got like guaranteed security i've never seen a guy get so many like emphatic votes of confidence he doesn't get like just the backroom vote of confidence i mean it seems like every week he's getting one from the owner hughes doing a heck of a job he's 131 and one all right. Reminder that Did you just you just come up you bring me up here and you get me well, all agitated. You're ready for the game. You're getting me all agitated. I, I am. It's a nice shirt by the way, I Reed. Do, I do. Have that a... is not this is not a Reed Wilkins purchase. No chance. It's got too much no. style, well, too I'm, much color. I got it for free. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down south comfort food to Edmonton with southern classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. You may have seen Jack Michaels and I on the I was going to uh, say, I'm about due for another of those. Well, we haven't made another bet that I'm bound to lose yet. Uh, Jack, I'll let you go. Uh, is that your popcorn already? I had a spill. You had a, I had a spill. spill. Are you specs on after me? Oh, I was going to ask Spec to come on during an intermission, but he'll probably say no. Oh, I got gotcha. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Beauty and youth before age, eh? That's Inside Sports. That's Jack Michaels. He and Bob Stoffer coming up with the call. Nate McEwen, All-Star. Nate McEwen. I guess Who's got the better Oilers? training camp here, me or Spec? Uh, Spec. What? Oh, it's, it's his board. Has I, more season. You better get me some northern chicken right away. This is two and a half days. He's been working on that for three months. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks to Patrick Bauer, our studio producer. I'll talk to you during the intermissions. Have fun, everybody. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad.